Small group Bible studies are going to be at 9 o'clock next Sunday morning. If you're not connected with a small group, this is a great time to start the new year to plug into a small group. We've got three outstanding adult Bible studies, things for the kids and the youth as well. You can find all that on the website, gatewaybaptist.com. We'd love for you to plug into one of our small groups and get to know people in relationship, go deeper in that, build community as you study God's Word together. Now, some Wednesday night schedule notes. Our youth resume this coming Wednesday night. So teenagers, this coming Wednesday, we'll be back in the youth center at six o'clock on Wednesday night. The ladies' Bible studies for the winter will begin not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday on the 13th. And so ladies, you'll be getting an email from us tomorrow. We have two great studies led by Karen Fowler and Trish Butterfield. Really excited about those, and so you'll be getting some more details on that. There's going to be a study of Colossians called Raised Together, and there's going to be a study on the battle plan for prayer. So a study of Colossians or a study on prayer for the ladies, those will kick off a week from Wednesday. As we prepare our hearts to worship the Lord this morning, can I ask you to stand, please? I want to read some scripture to us as we prepare to sing. We'll be singing this morning about Christ being risen and how he's the Lamb of God. And so I just want to focus our minds as we think about who Christ is and what he has done for us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 14, Paul writes, And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. And those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man also come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. Friends, let's worship the fact that Christ is risen this morning and we get to sing to him. Amazing grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound saved a wretch like me. For I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. And hallelujah, Christ is risen from the grave. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. The prodigal is welcome home, the sinner now will sing. For the God who died and came back to life, and everything has changed. Hallelujah. Christ is risen from the grave. Hallelujah. Christ is risen from the grave. 
know death, where is your seed? Oh, fear, where is your power? The mighty King of kings has disarmed you, delivered and redeemed. Eternal life is ours. Oh, praise His name forever. Hallelujah. Christ risen from the grave. Hallelujah. Christ risen from the grave. And all throughout eternity, our song will be the same. Hallelujah. Christ risen from the grave. I see your scars, your open arms, the beauty of your face. And through tears of joy, I lift my voice in everlasting praise. Hallelujah. Christ is risen from the grave. No death, where is your seed? Oh, fear, where is your power? The mighty King of kings has disarmed you, delivered and redeemed. Eternal life is ours. Oh, praise His name forever. Hallelujah. Christ is risen from the Christ is risen from the grave. And all throughout eternity, our song will be the same. Hallelujah. Christ is risen from the
for this day. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness, Lord, just as we sing about what you've done, about your grace, about your mercy, about the way that you have spared us, the way that you have poured out your wrath on your son, who's paid for our sins and brought us into relationship with you, Father. Thank you that we can know you. Thank you that you invite us into relationship with you, Father, and that you've made that possible. And Lord, we just pray for, uh, we, we thank you, Lord, for this past year that happened, Father. I know Many of us are grateful that 2020 is done, Lord, but we just want to thank you for it. We thank you for the trials that came in 2020. We thank you, uh, most of all, that you showed yourself faithful, that you proved yourself faithful, that you were with us, Lord. And we just thank you, Father, for the way that you persevered towards us, that you held on to us, Father. We just thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for this church. I thank you, Father, for this family of faith. Um, we just thank you for the way you've blessed us, Father. And we pray that in this new year coming, Lord, we don't know what's coming. We don't know if you've got trials or, or a time of, of rest, if you've got 
prosperity or poverty. We don't know what this year is bringing, Father, but we know that you are faithful. We know that your grace is sufficient. We know that you are going to pour your mercy out on us. And Father, we just thank you for that. And we just wanted this morning, I pray that you would fill us with a sense of joy, Father, that no matter what comes, that you are near, that you are God with us, Lord. And we just thank you for that. And we pray that you would give us just that sense of joy and excitement for whatever it is you have in this new year that's coming, Father. And Lord, I just want to lift up some specific requests to you this morning as we pray together. Father, we lift up, um, I know there are several families that are struggling with COVID that have had that and um, had exposure to that, Father, who have symptoms from that. Lord, we just pray for your mercy and your grace that you would raise up our brothers and sisters who are struggling with COVID, Father. We pray that you would eradicate this disease. We pray that the vaccine would come quickly and get distributed to everybody. And Lord, we just pray that you would protect us from that. We pray, Lord, that we'd be able to get back to meeting as we're used to, just with our, with our whole church family here, praising you together, studying your word together, Father. I pray that you would give us a renewed sense of uh, just appreciation for this community of faith, Father. Lord, we pray for the NBA ministry, the Love Loud Lowndes County, as they minister to those who are in need, providing food and the gospel. Lord, we thank you um, for the opportunity to partner with the Montgomery Baptist Association in, in rushing to the poor and the oppressed, Father. And I pray for us here at Gateway, too, that we would not seek to, di to distance ourselves from the poor and the oppressed, but we would view the poor as, as a wonderful opportunity not only to serve and to minister and to be your hands and feet, but to learn from and to be blessed by, Father. I pray that we would not view them as a burden, but that we would view them as our brothers and sisters in you, and that we would rejoice in taking the gospel and taking, uh, just, just meeting some of those needs, Father. We just pray for more opportunity to do that. We pray for our government leaders, Father, as they continue to make difficult decisions about just so many different things. Our national leaders, Father, as, as we're going through a time of transition, we just pray for a smooth transition. We pray that you would bless um, those who are making all these decisions now. You give them wisdom and discernment and that you would humble them before you, Father, that they would cry out to you for your help. And for our local leaders, Father, that you would give them great discernment and wisdom and favor, Father. Just pray that you would guide them in all the decisions they have to make. We pray for the unreached people of North Korea, Father. We pray that you would, um, that you would send your gospel into that country, Father. I know it's so hard. It's so difficult with the borders that are closed and and just no tolerance for that, Father. We pray that you would raise up missionaries to go into North Korea, Father, that they would be willing to give everything they have for the sake of the gospel, that you would make a way for the gospel to go forward in North Korea, Father. We just cry out for your mercy on those people, that you would save them, Lord. We pray for the offering today that's already been given online, that's gonna be given this morning. We just pray that you would um, welcome us. We thank you for this opportunity, Father to rejoice and to praise you in giving of our money. And we pray that we would do that joyfully this morning, Father, that we would give to you knowing that you are God, that you're gonna provide, that you're going to take care of us. And this money that is given to the church, Father, I pray that we would use it for your glory, for the furtherance of your kingdom, that you would bring many people to know your name through this money, Father, that's going to be given. And Lord, we pray for Grady as he's getting ready to preach and bring the word and looking forward to getting back into the book of James. And we just pray you give him great clarity this morning as he uh, recalls what he's studied all week, that you would speak through him to our church, Father, you'd prepare our hearts to hear from you, to receive from you, and that we would be changed by your word and go out into our communities with the good news of the gospel, Father. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Well, good morning again, Gateway family. So glad we get to study God's word together. 
This morning, like Seth mentioned, we're back in James, so find James chapter 5 this morning. James chapter 5 in your copy of God's Word or in your Bible app there. Well, 2020 is now behind us. I think there's a sigh of relief for a lot of people in that, that this past year is over and that we're in a new year and 2021 is in front of us. I know 2020 was a year of many challenges for us. And the words of James chapter 1, we faced trials of many kinds this past year. And friends, as you personally reflect back on what happened in your life and in your family in 2020, what were the trials that you went through? What were the hardships that you walked through this past year? But perhaps the bigger question, the more important question is, how did you respond to God last year about those trials? Not just what were the trials, but how did you respond to God as you walked through the hardships of this past year? But we know last year was not 100% hardships. There were joys, there were delights in the midst of the hardships. So what were the enjoyable things in your life last year? What were the things that brought you cheer, that brought you delight? Again, the bigger question is, how did you respond to God about those things? How did you respond to God about the good things that happened in 2020? I don't know if you're one who takes time to ponder that, but if you do, you're probably like me, and you realize you've had both trials and things that have got brought joy this past year, things that were hardships, but things that were also things of great delight. And so we reflect on those things, it's good for us to do so, but those reflections need to take us much deeper than that. Those reflections need to take us to looking into our own souls and asking the question, how did we respond to God this past year? How did we approach God in light of what happened this past year, both in the trials and in the enjoyable times as well? That's the question for us as we look at James chapter 5 this morning. We are back in the book of James. I've enjoyed our Christmas weeks, and I enjoyed the elder testimonies and those things we had through December, but I'm excited to get back into James. We're 40 weeks into our study of this amazing book, and we have five weeks left to go. So yes, in the province of God, we should finish James by the end of this month. And as we come to the end of James, we're coming to really his conclusion here. We're coming to his final words that he's writing to these early Christians who were facing both hardships and joys. And friends, that's very timely for us as we think about the hardships and joys we faced last year, and we don't know what this year will hold, but I'm sure for all of us it'll be a mix of hardships and joys as well. So these were very timely verses for us this morning. So we begin the conclusion of James this morning. We're we'll just at verse 13 this morning, James chapter 5, verse 13. As we read it this morning, I want you to be looking for how do we respond to God in both the trials and in the joys? How do we respond to God no matter what life brings? How are we to respond to God? So look for that as we can ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God. James chapter 5, verse number 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Now before I pray for us, I want us to read this again, but I want us to do something that we haven't done at least in my time here. I want us to read it responsively. I don't know if any of you guys come out of church traditions where the pastor or someone in the church reads a part of it, and then you respond to it. So we have a graphic up on the screen to help us try this this morning as we start off this new year. I'm going to read the question, and I want you to read the answer. I want you to see what James is trying to do here, and I hope this will help us catch kind of the, the wonder what James is saying. So I'll read the question in talks, and you read what's in bold, okay? Clear enough, here's early in the morning on the start after New Year, so I think we can get this. Ready? Is anyone among you suffering? Is anyone cheerful? Thanks. Let me pray for us. Father, we are so thankful for your word. We are so thankful that you have shown yourself to us, that you've revealed yourself to us, Lord. As we think through what's happened in life this past year, as we have a season of life where many people, believers and non-believers alike, pause and reflect on what's happened and anticipate what's to come. Lord, I thank you for this, the timeliness of this verse we're looking at this morning. And God, I pray your word would be instructive to us, that God, you would open our eyes to the truth of it, and the truth you want us to see, and your Holy Spirit would fill each one of us and apply your truth to our lives as only you can, that we might better be conformed to the image of Christ as we go forward in this new year. And Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be 
seated. So here's what I want you to see from this one simple verse this morning is this. God calls us to come to him in prayer in all of life's situations. God calls to us. He invites us to come to him in prayer in all of life's situations. If we're in a hardship or a trial, God calls us to come to him and pray about it. If we're in a time of joy and delight, a good time, God calls us to still pray and come talk to him about it. Friends, we have an invitation from our creator to not walk this life alone. We have an invitation from our creator to come talk to him and speak with him about everything we face in life, the good and the hard in this. He calls us to come to him in prayer in all of life's situations. In the verse we just read out loud together, James gives us two opposite situations here. He talks about suffering. He talks about being cheerful. And what he was doing in this is he's giving us the extremes to show us that no matter what situation we face in life, whether it's a situation of suffering or a situation of great cheerfulness or everything in between, in all of these, we have a call to come to God. We have a command to pray about them. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at the two examples he gives us. We're going to look at suffering and we're going to look at cheerfulness and how we're to pray in those situations. But I don't just want us to come away with a sense that we have a command to do this. I want us to ask him both those things for hardships and for good times. What is it we're to be praying and why? I want us to understand the what and the why on both of these because this truth needs to transform our lives. As we go into a new year, this truth should change how we approach our walk with God, should change how we talk to God. So I want us to look at both the what and the why of praying in all circumstances. God calls us to come to him in prayer in all of life's situations. Well, let's start where James starts here. Let's start about how we pray when life is hard. I just want to remind you what we see here in verse 13 is not new. If you go back to all the way to James chapter 1, verse 2, a verse we saw a long time ago, almost 40 weeks ago when we started James, he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, and here's my least favorite word in all of James, when you face trials of many kinds. He doesn't say if, we've talked about this all throughout this book, it's when we will face trials of many kinds as we go through this life. This is true for us as believers. We're not exempt from trials. James begins his letter in the very second verse with the reminder that we will face trials, and he ends his letter with that reminder as well. Go back to verse 13 this morning. He asks the question, is anyone among you suffering? Among you believers, people who love God, who are faithful to God, are any of you suffering. Now, this word suffering in the Greek is a broad word that means any situation that causes distress. So he's saying, are any of you in situations that are causing distress? That could be sickness you're facing. It could be death of a loved one. It can be financial troubles. It can be broken relationships. It's a broad term. This word suffering can mean anything that causes distress. So I was studying it this week. One author said it so well, and it just really resonated. He said, suffering is any situation you're in that someone looks at your situation and goes, wow, that's bad. And there's probably things in your life that your friends looked at it this year and went, wow, that's pretty bad. That's what he has in mind here. That could be, again, relational, health-wise, relationally, financially, anything that's bad in life. And the reality is we all are going to face those type situations. So James makes sure we're ready for them. He's been talking about it all throughout this whole letter. He does again this morning, and he gives us a command. Is anyone among you suffering? And notice this very next word. The word is let. This word let is a command. In the Greek, it's an imperative. It's what we are to do. Perhaps the easiest way to translate into English would be the word must. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he or she must do something. And what is it that we must do here? He says we're to pray. Now this word prayer here is the broadest term in the Greek language for prayer. It's a word that simply means speaking to God. It doesn't give us anything specific here except for we're to be talking to God, speaking with God. So the command then is we're going to have suffering, hardships, things that are bad, 
and we're told in those things to pray, to talk to God about it, to go to God about it. Now again, in the Greek language here, this was written in the present tense. That means it's ongoing. So the command here is really, when life is hard, when you have a that's bad situation, then we are to pray and keep on praying and keep on praying and keep on praying. That when we face hardships in life, the command here is for us to talk to God about it, but don't just talk to him once about it, to talk and to keep on talking, to have an ongoing conversation with God about whatever we are facing. Friends, think of the wonder of that. You and I have a standing invitation from our Creator, the one who knows everything, the one who already knows the trial we're in, the one who is sovereign over all things and is sovereign even over the trial we're walking through, the one who has all the wisdom that's possible to have, plus more, he has all wisdom, he has all power to either change our situation or sustain us through it. He's the one who knows the future and knows what's going to happen on the other side of this trial and all the way through our lives. And he's saying, come, talk to me as you walk through these hardships. He invites us and he commands us to talk, keep on talking to him as we walk through the sufferings of life. Now, it raises two questions about this. First, what do we talk to him about? When we go to God in prayer, what do we say when we're, when we're struggling, when life is hard, when we're having those that's bad situations? Well, there's a lot. We could do a whole sermon series on what we talk to God about in prayer and suffering. But I want to give you five this morning just to get us thinking about things we can talk to God about when we are suffering, when life is hard. Number one, we talk to God about the hardship itself. We can talk to God about the hardship itself. We call this lament, where we talk to God about the pain, the hurt, the struggles, where we're honest with God and saying, God, this hurts, this doesn't make sense, I'm confused, I'm struggling, I'm broken, whatever it is, we can talk to God, we can lament to Him about it, and He welcomes that. Go back a few verses in James 5 to James chapter 5, verse 4. Here's just one example nearby in Scripture of God letting us do that. Verse 4. This is, by the way, this is the warning here to the rich, the people who were oppressing a lot of the poor Christians at the time. So God directs this judgment against these wealthy people who are oppressing Christians. It says, Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, they're crying out against you. Notice this. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. The cries of the harvesters, these early Christians who are being oppressed by this wealthy class of people, he says their cries to God have been heard by God. God welcomes us to cry to him about whatever situation that we're in. And that's what we saw, if you think about when we studied the Psalms a year ago. There's a whole genre, a whole section of Psalms called Lament Psalms, where the authors just get real honest and real before God. They don't have to pretend and act like you have it all together when you approach God. You can go to God in all of our brokenness and our mess and our, under, mis- and our understandings that we don't get. And we go to him and we say, God, I'm broken, I'm hurting, I'm confused, life is hard. And God welcomes us to come share those burdens with him. I want to remind us, when we talk to God about our situation, we're doing so not to give God information. God already knows everything. God is sovereign over all, so it's not like he's going, oh, thanks for telling me you're having a hard day. I didn't know that. That doesn't happen. God already knows that we're going to have a hard day before we have a hard day. He sees everything equally clearly in all time. He's omniscient, all-knowing. But we go to God not to share information, but we go to God talking about our problems to abide with him, to share our pain with him. Because, friends, we do not serve a God who is distant and uncaring. We serve a God who has took on human flesh. What we have just celebrated at Christmas, become Emmanuel, God with us, stepped into the brokenness of the world and suffered himself. We serve a God who has personally experienced rejection, pain, hurt, all those type things because he has stepped into his creation and he cares and he understands. So he invites us 
not to put on the facade and pretend we have it all figured out and have to use the right words when we come to him. He invites us to come to him as we are and lament the hardships of life, and he welcomes us to do so. There's a second thing we can pray besides lamenting the hardships of life and going to God about those. The second thing we can pray for is we can ask for deliverance from them. We can go to God asking for deliverance from the situation. It's okay. It is good for us to say, God, this situation stinks. Would you please consider rescuing me from this? We see people in Scripture doing that. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, you see the Apostle Paul doing this. In this situation, he's had these great revelations, and he says this, So to keep me from being conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh. Whole sermon for another day. He doesn't tell us what the thorn is, but he's had some type of affliction. He's got a hardship he's enduring now. It's described as a messenger of Satan to harass me. Okay, there's a trial here he's going through. He's got a thorn that is harassing him from Satan to keep me from being conceited. Now, verse number eight. He carries on. I think we got it there. There you go. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Now, Paul's not weak in faith for asking God to get rid of it. He's not sinning by asking God to get rid of it. He is in faith as a child of God saying, God, this hurts, this is painful. Would you consider taking it away? It is good for us to ask God for these things, but we trust that God in his sovereignty knows what's best. Verse 9, we see the answer. And this is probably not the answer Paul wanted, but this is the answer a good guy gave to him. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, now Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness. So the power of Christ may rest upon me. God chose to not answer Paul's request the way Paul wanted it. But sometimes God does. And so it's okay to go to God in the midst of the trials, the hardships, whatever, and say, God, would you please deliver me from this? But ultimately, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. I'm going to ask you to take me out of this situation, but if you choose not to, I know you're going to sustain me through this situation. That's exactly what Christ himself did. Luke chapter 22 in verse 41, you see this model beautifully in Christ. He said, and he, Christ, withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. And here in verse 42 is his prayer, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Christ never had sin. He never sinned. He never had a weak faith. He himself is God. And he asked the Father, would you consider removing this cup from me? but not my will, but yours be done. Friends, what a model for us of what Paul does or what Christ himself does. When we're in a hardship or a trial, it is okay. It is not weak in faith to say, God, would you consider healing me of this? God, would you consider mending that situation? God, would you consider providing in some way? It's okay for us to ask, and God invites us to ask him for deliverance from the hardship, but we trust his goodness and whether or not he does it the way we want or in some other way. So what do we pray when we're in times of hardship? We talk to God about the situation, we lament, and we request relief and deliverance, but we trust him. Number three, and there's three more I want you to see, and these all come from the early part of James. Number three, we ask God to give us joy in the midst of the hardship. We ask God to give us joy in the midst of the hardship. Go back to James chapter 1, verse 2, and we see this as James describes trials at the very beginning of the book. Count it all, there's this word again we don't like, joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of many kinds. That we will face trials of many kinds, and our prayer needs to be, Lord, give me joy in the midst of this. Now think back to Advent a few weeks ago as we were working through Advent. How do we define joy? Joy is an experience deep within us of great delight. Joy is something deep within us of great delight. It is not circumstantial. We can have joy even when life is falling apart around us. And so when we're in the middle of trials, one thing we should be praying for is, God, grant me joy. Grant me deep within myself great delight, great contentment, even though life is hard. 
And he will do that. He promises to answer our prayers, and so he loves to put joy in the lives of his people, even when life is hard. Number four, we can also ask him for steadfastness and growth. We need to pray asking for steadfastness and growth. We see this in the next two verses in James. James chapter 1, verse 3. He carries on as he talks about trials. For you know that the testing of your faith, notice this, produces steadfastness. Then in verse 4 that comes right after that, he tells us that let steadfastness have its full effect. You can be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Friends, one of the things that's so hopeful for us as believers is the trials we go through are not meaningless. They're not just some chance things that happen to us, but the trials we walk through have purpose and meaning because God in his sovereignty takes these hardships, these that's bad situations of life, and he brings good to us through them. In particular, he makes us steadfast and he grows us. And so it's good in the midst of the trials as we pray and we lament them and we ask God to remove them from us. If he sees fit not to, it's good to begin to pray for joy. It's good to begin to pray for steadfastness, to begin to pray and say, God, don't let me be swayed by these circumstances. God, please don't let me be beat down by my harshness. Please don't let me lose my faith or doubt or waver because life is hard. And we pray for steadfastness and we also pray for growth, saying, Lord, whatever I'm going through, you have a purpose in it. Make me more Christ-like because of this hardship I'm walking through. So in our sufferings and our hardships, we pray about the situation. We lament. We ask for deliverance. We ask for joy. We ask for steadfastness and growth. And one more that we can say many other things, we ask for wisdom. We pray specifically asking for wisdom. The very next verse in James tells us that, James chapter 1, verse 5. He tells us, coming out of the trials, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it'll be given to him. We need wisdom to get through hardships. We need wisdom to know what to do next. And God says, if you lack it, ask, and I will give it to you. And there's many more things we can say, but those are five things we can pray as we walk through hardships. That's some of the There's a second question we need to understand. Why? Why is it so important for us to pray, to go talk to God and keep on talking to God when life is hard? And quite simply, friends, the reason it's so important is because our sinful tendency is to do the exact opposite. Our sinful tendency is instead of praying in our pain to forget about God or to get mad at God, to ignore him because he hasn't done what we want, and so to let our fleshly desires take over and to lash out and get angry at either the people who hurt us or to get angry at the situation or to lash out even at innocent people around us like our families because we're hurting from something else. And if you remember back, James has already corrected that back in James chapter 5, verse 9, where, he's, where he warned us some weeks back about not grumbling against one another because he knows in our tendency when life is hard, we can forget about God or get mad at God and operate in our own strength and our own flesh and lash out and hurt people around us. And so the antidote to that destructive pattern is instead when life is hard to run to God and to talk to him and to keep on talking to him as we lament and we ask for joy and we ask for peace, as we ask for wisdom, that is the antidote for it. So God calls us to come to him in prayer in all of life's situations, including when life is hard. But we're also told not just when life is hard to run to him in prayer, but on the other end of the spectrum and everything in between, we're told to run to God and talk to him in prayer even when life is going well. Go back to verse 13 and see the other side of the spectrum that James mentions. James says in verse 13, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. So he says, is anyone cheerful? Now, in the Greek, it literally means to be of good cheer. You probably haven't said that very recently. That sounds very old English, right? So how are you today? Well, I'm of good cheer. That's not the way we normally speak to one another, but to be of good cheer, the more modern English, simply the word means to be happy. So how are you today? Hey, I'm pretty happy today. I'm of good cheer. That's what this word cheerful communicates. In other words, when we have feelings of happiness in life, we are of good cheer. We are 
thankful. We are happy. And James has already alluded to this back in chapter 1 as well, that we will have this as well. We will have in life a mix of hardships as well as a mix of things of great delight. James chapter 1, verse 17, a little bit after he writes about trials, he tells us this amazing thing. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. See that? Even in chapter 1 of James, he tells us about the sufferings and hardships, but he also tells us of the great blessings we're going to have, that we're going to receive good and perfect gifts from God as we walk through this life. God delights in giving good things to his children. We are cheerful. We are happy as we receive them. So what are we to do in those times, the times where we really feel like we're experiencing the blessings of God and receiving these good and perfect gifts? What are we to do? Well, verse 13, he gives us a command again here. Is anyone cheerful? Here's that next word, let. Like I mentioned earlier, this means we're to do something. It's the word must. We must do something when we're cheerful. This is not optional. This is not just for Sunday mornings. When we are cheerful, when we're experiencing blessings and we're feeling happy, we have a command and an ongoing command. It's present tense here that anytime we're experiencing cheer, we're to be doing something here. And what is it? We're to be singing praises. So again, the what and the why. What are we to do? We're to sing praises. In the Greek, this word that we translate sing praises is the word psalmos. Sound familiar? It's the word, the Greek word for psalms. It literally meant at the time anything that's sung to, with a stringed instrument. So the idea of a stringed instrument with songs being put to it. But in the Greek culture, that word became used more broadly to refer to any type of singing with any instrument, whether, whether it had strings or not. And you have a singing even without instruments. If you were singing, that's what this word psalmos meant. So we are told when we feel happiness, we are to sing praises to God. Whether we use music or not, we're to be letting our voices be lifted in song to God. Now, you may be thinking, wait, I thought this was about prayer, not about singing. And yes, it still is about prayer as it is talking about singing here, because singing praises, what we've done this morning for the first 20 minutes of the service, is a type of prayer, because we're directing it to God. When we are singing, it's not just motions we're going through, friends. We are praying to God as we sing. You see this all throughout Scripture, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19. We saw this when we worked through Ephesians two years ago, but in Ephesians 5, 19, he tells us to we're to be addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And notice this, we're to be singing and making melody to who? To the Lord. Notice the way it's directed, that our lives are to be singing and making melody directed to God, to the Lord with your heart. So when we are singing, we're not just going through the motions, we're not doing it just to make ourselves feel good, we're singing to the Lord, we're talking to Him in our songs. We see the same thing in Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. In Colossians 3, we're told to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, let me just stop there, friends. If you want a good verse to chew on as you start 2201, that is a great goal. If you're a goal setter, let this be our goal for ourselves and individually and for families and corporately this year, to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Anyway, he carries on and says, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Notice this, with thankfulness in your hearts, what is it? To God. Notice the direction again, that as we're singing, we're singing to God, that our songs we sing, whether we're doing it as family worship together, whether we're doing it in corporately in this whole congregation together, whether we're doing it in our small groups, when we're singing, we're doing them as prayers to God. Singing is praying, and praying can be done in song. And so God says to us when we're feeling cheerful back in verse 13, let him sing praise. Not just on Sunday mornings, but anytime you feel cheerful, we are to be singing praises back to God. Now, what do we sing in our praises to God? And we could spend many weeks on that. I'd encourage you to go deeper on that. Just go look at the Psalms. You see so many examples. Most of the Psalms were put to music. They were things that were sung to God. We read them very much as if we're reading a letter, but most of the Psalms were sung to God. So look at what people sing in that. Think of the type songs we intentionally sing 
here at Gateway. There's three things I think we can sing to God about, and there's many more, but we can sing about his character. Anytime we're, we're singing about the character of God, we're praising him, we're praying to him, saying, God, this is who you are, this is who we believe you to be, and we're lifting him up. We sing about his faithfulness, we sing about his provision for us, we sing about his concern, we sing about his holiness, we sing about his justice. We are praising him for his character. Number two, we can praise him for him giving gifts. God doesn't have to give us anything. We think back to what we read in James, the fact that God chooses to give us good and perfect gifts from above. In the language of John, he blesses us. In the language of Ephesians, he blesses us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So we can thank him for all the blessings we have. We can sing to him about that. Number three, we can sing to him about his works. How we've seen him move in our lives, how we've seen him move in other people's lives, how we've seen him move in the church, in our city, around the world, his missions work. We can sing to him about all these things. There's no end, friends, to what we can praise him for. That's the what. But the why question, why is it so important that we sing praises to God when life is going well? Why do we need to keep praying and lifting up songs of praise even when life seems easy and full of blessings? Quite simply, friends, because our sinful tendency is the same as when life is hard. Our sinful tendency is still to forget God. And especially when life is going well, when we're experiencing blessings, whether it's affluence or health or peace, we can become spiritually lazy. We can become complacent. We can begin to feel self-sufficient. We begin to feel like we can handle this life on our own. So every time, instead of being self-sufficient, ignoring God in the middle of the blessing, we feel that happiness, that joy, we instead turn it Godward and we thank God, we sing to God about his character and about what he's done and bless us with him, about how he's moving, and it turns our hearts back to him and reminds us that all that we have is undeserved. So God calls us to come to him in prayer in all of life situations. I've given you a why answer to both questions, but I hope you feel a little bit uncomfortable with both those why questions because they're incomplete. When we talked about why it benefits us to do these things, why, if we're suffering, how we, t- we think about praying to God and how that helps us not get angry at other people, or why, when we're feeling happy and feeling cheerful, we need to sing to God because it helps us not forget about God. It helps us be thankful. But there's a bigger why question. All that is true. I don't want to minimize all, but there's a bigger why question we must not miss in all these things. Why is it so important for us to go to God in prayer when life is hard and when life is easy, when life is joyful and cheerful and when life is struggling. And the bigger answer is because God deserves the glory. God deserves for us to go to him in prayer no matter what is happening around us. When we go to God in prayer, we are glorifying God. It's a very, it's a psalm that Justin picked for us to sing right before the sermon this morning. We do this for the sake of his name. We do this, yes, because we get the benefit, and we're thankful for that. When life is hard and I pray, yes, it turns my heart towards God. Yes, when I'm happy and cheerful and I pray, it turns my heart towards God and makes me thankful. And that's all important and good. But the bigger, more compelling reason than what I get out of it is because God deserves the glory, and God deserves for us to go talk to Him whatever is happening in our lives. Friends, that raises the big question. How does us praying glorify God? How does us praying glorify God? Well, I feel like I need several weeks on this, but I want to give you something simple this morning. I know it doesn't do justice to it, but bear with me. Well, how does our praying glorify God? Quite simply this, our praying acknowledges the sovereignty and the sufficiency of God. Our praying acknowledges two things. It acknowledges the sovereignty of God and acknowledges the sufficiency of God. Friends, when we pray, we are glorifying God because we are acknowledging Him as sovereign. 
If you think about the type of things we can pray about when life is hard, we're saying, God, you're sovereign over this. You're sovereign over this trial, this hardship. I'm not enjoying this trial, but you're sovereign over it. So I'm going to go to you and talk to you about it, and I'm going to trust you in this, that you're sovereign over all these situations. But likewise, when we're having times of blessing, we go to God and say, God, thank you for providing this. We're acknowledging that God is sovereign over that and giving that blessing, that gift to us that makes us feel cheerful. When we're praying about hardships or about times of ease, we're acknowledging that God is the one who is over all that and working those things out of his love for us. But friends, when we pray, we're also glorifying God because we're acknowledging him as sufficient. By sufficient, I mean that he is all that we need. And so when we go to God in the trials and say, God, I would like for you to remove this situation from me, but not my will, yours be done. We are acknowledging that God is all we need, that we don't have to have the situation changed to trust him, that we don't have to have the situation improved to find joy and peace and contentment, all those things that we are saying, God, you alone are sufficient. We can still go to him and ask for those things, and he welcomes that, but we're acknowledging that he is what we need. And likewise, when the times of blessings come and the times of cheer come, and we go to God and say, God, this is your grace gift. I don't deserve it. You are actually what I need, not these things. I'm enjoying them. We're again acknowledging his sufficiency. Friends, when we run to God in prayer in the hard times and in the times of cheer, and both of them we're saying, God, you're sovereign, and God, you're sufficient, and that glorifies him. So yes, it guards us from sin, Yes, it helps us have the right attitude, but more than that, it gives God the glory. Friends, God calls us to come to him in prayer in all of life's situations. So we get the help and the joy, and he gets the glory he deserves. So the big question for us this morning is, did we do that in 2020? As you reflect back on the previous year and what you walked through, think about the hardships you walked through. Think about the trials you walked through. When the trials hit and the hard times hit, whatever they were, was my tendency and your tendency Was it to withdraw and to be mad at God or mad at other people? Or was our tendency to run to God in prayer, lamenting the situation to God because he cared, going to God, saying, God, help me through this, change the situation, give me joy, wisdom, steadfastness. Was that our approach? Or when the trials hit, did we withdraw from God and let our flesh take over? But how about you think of 2020? What was cheerful for you? What brought delight last year? What are things that made you feel happy? In those situations, friend, did you and I run to God in those? Or did we withdraw as well because life seemed to be going well and we felt very self-sufficient? Or did we, when we found cheer, could we not help ourselves? We began to pray in song to God because we were just so overwhelmed with His grace in our lives. Friends, in the places where we did that well last year, let's give God the grace for it because that's something the Holy Spirit produces that we don't produce in ourselves. But friends, the areas of our lives where we look back and go, wow, when that trial hit, I really didn't run to God. Or when I had that joy and that blessing, you know, I really did kind of act self-sufficient. Well, we realize we've fallen short in this, friends. We don't need to despair. We need to run to God and ask for more grace. Because the God who invites us to come pray about every situation, the God who delights in pouring out his grace, delights in transforming us, delights in changing us so that we desire more and more to run after him. So when we fall short and we think, oh man, I really blew it this last year in some of these things, We don't despair. We run to him in prayer and say, God, change me this year. I want to be different for my joy and for your glory. And so, friends, I pray as this new year comes for myself and for you, brothers and sisters, that we will be a people of God who run to him in prayer on the days full of joys and the days full of trials, and that we will find great joy in that, and that God will receive the glory. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your word that tells us what to do in all seasons of life. And we're grateful that you've told us what life will be like, that you don't hold up some vision of life contrary to what we're actually going to walk through. But Lord, you show us that we're going to have hardships, that we're going to have things that bring delight, things that give us cheer and things that are going to be hurtful. 
But Lord, you promised to be with us through it all. And God, for that, we give you much praise and much thanks. And Lord, we thank you as well for the invitation we have. God, that you invite us to come to your throne of grace. You invite us to come receive mercy and grace to help in our time of need. You invite us to not be anxious about anything, but to come to you with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, to make our request to you. Lord, I think of not just this verse we've read this morning, but all throughout your word. God, these amazing invitations from you, the great I am, to come running into your presence because we're covered in Christ's righteousness. God, to think that we can walk into your presence and not fear being struck dead, because when you see us, you don't see our sin, you don't see all of our disobedience, you see Christ's righteousness. God, because you took all of our sin and put it on Christ, you took all of Christ's holiness and righteousness and applied it to us. Thank you for that. Thank you, God, that we can run into your throne room without fear, because we get to talk to you as our Father who loves us. Thank you for inviting us to come walk this journey of life with you and you with us. Lord, I do pray for myself and these precious brothers and sisters of Gateway. God, that you would let us be a people of great prayer this year. God, that you grow me, you grow them as well in running to you. Father, we confess in so many ways when life is going well and things are easy, God, we act so self-sufficient. Forgive us, Lord, for the ways this past year that we have failed to run to you when we're experiencing joys and delights. Lord, we also confess there have been times when life has been hard and we've faced trials this year that we've not run to you like we should. We've sat in our anger or bitterness or frustrations. We've lashed out at other people. Instead of just running to you and lamenting in your presence whatever we're struggling with. So would you forgive us for ways we've fallen short in running to you this past year? And would you put within us a Holy Spirit-given desire to want more of your presence this year? God, to want more of abiding in you, to want more of talking to you. And I pray that you will be shaping us, conforming us, and molding us to be a people who run to you in all of life situation. Lord, as we do that, we know that it'll bring you glory. And Lord, we know it'll fill our lives with a deep, deep joy. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we practice what we've just been reading about? We're going to sing praises to God. We're going to sing a prayer to him. Jesus, thank you. Sacrifice I've been brought near 
different to end out this verse today. I'm going to say a quick prayer to end this, and then I, as we look at it today, just the verses of if there's any suffering, then let him pray, and 
if there's anyone among you cheerful, let him sing praise and everything. So even in our suffering, as in Romans, we see the all things, suffering, the good things, all things for those that are in him work together for good. That is part of God's plan, working towards the end goal of good in your life. So even in the suffering, we sing praise. And even in the times of cheerfulness, it's so easy to just forget that even that, the things going good is a gift from God. That it's a lot easier to go to God during your suffering than it is during your praise. So I want to pray, and then as we end, we're just going to sing the doxology together as we begin this new year. So, Father, we thank you, God, that you are sovereign, God, overall, Father, and that in our suffering, God, you are working. And God, in the good times, Lord, it's you that have given us that gift, Lord, and that it is a blessing from you, Lord. And God, may we never lose sight of that, God, that it is ultimately you that works all things according to your will, God, for your pleasure and for the glory of your name, God, that you will be glorified, God. May our lives be lives that glorify you, Father. May we live our lives in such a way that it is pleasing to you, God, and bring us glory to your name, Father. We thank you for all that you've done for us, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's sing this praise. Praise God from dismissed.